Um, so this series we're, we're kicking off today, uh, we wrapped up our Roman series last week, and now we're kicking off an Advent series um, called Return to Sender. Advent is the name for that season, these few weeks leading up to Christmas, where we're, uh, where we're looking for His Advent or His coming, His presence with us. And, and, uh, and Christmas season for us is full of expectation, right? Um, I know when I was a kid, uh, I was a really a lot more caught up in what kind of gift am I going to receive than what kind of gift am I going to give away. But now that I'm an adult and I'm a, a parent, I still love to get gifts, but I found the joy in, uh, in just um, in giving uh, gifts to, to others, particularly my, my children. Uh, but sometimes we receive a gift and we really don't like it. That ever happened to you? Um, and, uh, and so I know when I was a kid, uh, I went through a, a model railroad stage. It's a great hobby, but uh, I, I, that Christmas, a couple Christmas I was doing that, I wasn't interested in anything that wasn't model railroad related. And so, you know, Grandma, you know, maybe open up the, the box here, and Grandma gave me a sweater. And I kind of, oh, man, you know, I mean, it's hard to get excited about a sweater, hard to get excited about socks. And, and maybe you've gotten a gift before, and that gift receipt was in there, and you just took it back to the store. You returned it. You exchanged it for something that you wanted instead. And, um, and, and God, sometimes he gives us gifts. Um, and, and, and there's gifts that God sends our way sometimes that, that at the time are difficult to recognize as gifts. Sometimes God sends us a gift of waiting, which is what we're talking about today. Sometimes God gives us a gift of conflict. Uh, sometimes God gives us a gift of a command that seems too burdensome. Um, and, and, and in those times, um, uh, it, it can be difficult to discern that this thing is a gift. And, and what we're going to be walking through the next few weeks is coming to recognize some of those unexpected, maybe unwanted gifts that God gives us. Um, learning to receive those gifts humbly and then to turn around and return those gifts to God in worship. So today, think about your waiting. Whether it's waiting for a child to come to know the Lord, and maybe it's waiting for a spouse to repent and come to know the Lord. Maybe it's friction in a relationship or a relationship that's, uh, that's icy and you're waiting for the thaw. Maybe it's waiting to hear about that promotion or that new job. Uh, maybe it's waiting to hear about those, those, those medical tests you had done and, 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 and you just, you're really anxious to hear what they say. Uh, maybe it's just you're going through a really dark season of your life and, and you're beginning to wonder, is there anything good? on the other side of this. Uh, uh, maybe it's the waiting of, of literal expectance of a child and you're, and, you're, and, you're, uh, and, and you're waiting for this child to be born. Whatever it, it may be, um, we want to talk today about how we can recognize waiting and receive it as a gift and return it to God in worship. And so uh, today, kind of as a picture of waiting, we have a little, um, a little cup of soil. Uh, you remember when you were a child or maybe one of your children has done this, uh, at school, uh, I don't remember what grade this normally happens, but bring home a little, a little cup that looks something like this, and we take a seed, and we put that seed in there, and then we put it in the windowsill, and we wait for something to happen. Are we familiar with this? Uh, and so uh, Im imagine this from the seed's perspective. Uh, imagine that seeds have personalities, and, and, and the seed is, is just in the packet saying, you know, I've got big things in store. I mean, big things ahead. I'm going to get out of this packet one day, and I'm really going to be somebody. And the next thing the seed knows is in the hand of, a, of like a second grader, you know, and, and, and the second grader's kind of messing with the seed, and the next thing the seed knows is it's... <laughs> planted in soil and it's surrounded by darkness and day passes 
And night passes. And day after day after day. And the seed begins to say, what is going on? I thought there was a plan for me. I thought there was a purpose for me. And now all there is is darkness. And meanwhile, to shift to the child's perspective, every day the child is, is watching to see if something is going to sprout from this soil, from this seed, and, and, the, and the child has no power to do anything uh, to, create, to, to make the seed happen. We can water, but not too much. We can set the, some of the circumstances, but we can't force the seed to grow. And then, you know, just like Jesus said in the Gospel of John, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And as the seed dies, thinking that its life was purposeless, and it rots and, 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 and opens up, something miraculous happens. Life begins to sprout from that seed. And, and, and green begins to sprout through the soil. And the child says, wow, mom, we did it. Something's growing and something miraculous happened. But all the while, the seed felt forgotten. And guys, that may be a silly example, but I, I'm convinced there's people in this room today and maybe you feel that you're surrounded by darkness. And maybe you wonder what the point of your existence even is. And maybe you're questioning everything about your career and your marriage and your walk with the Lord. And we can take a lesson from the seed. And that is that even when it looks like nothing's happening, God is doing something under the surface. Even when it looks like your life is going nowhere, even when it looks like your career is going nowhere, even when it looks like your marriage is going nowhere, even when it looks like your kids are, are out of control and nothing's ever going to change, the seed reminds us that God works while we wait. And while it looks like nothing is happening, God is working under the surface. I hope that we can grab that today. Um, does anybody in here enjoy waiting? Um, if it, would anybody in here, would your perfect day to be like to show up at the DMV at 8 in the morning and just stand there until about 8 p.m. like, man, I feel like I've really lived my best day. No, like we hate to wait. In fact, we arrange, we, we've arranged our lives in such a way where we can be diverted and entertained uh, in, even in the briefest opportunity to wait. You go to the, the doctor's office. We're doing this. Um, we're crushing some candy, right? We don't want to wait. Uh, uh, get an email while you're driving down the road at 80 miles an hour. Better check that. Don't want to wait on that. I don't care who, you know, how, how many people's lives I put in danger. Don't do that, by the way. Um, but we, we, we struggle with waiting, and we design our lives in such a way, whether we're waiting in line or waiting in traffic or we're waiting uh, for that promotion or we're waiting for those test results or we're waiting uh, just for that next step, whatever it is. We struggle to wait. And I think sometimes we say, man, I just wish I was living in Bible times. I mean, God was just doing stuff then, and He's not doing nothing now. And yet, we forget that the Bible is, what we've got uh, are these high points that are punctuated by years and years and years in between of waiting. So we take the genealogy of Jesus Christ found in Matthew chapter 1, and, and, and picking up in Matthew 1, 1, we read, <clears throat> let me get to Matthew 1, 1. We read, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and, 
And Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And then we're going to go all the way down to the exile to Babylon. And there's this crazy thing here that we sit back and we look at this genealogy, and A, there's all kinds of names in there that that are surprising would be in the genealogy of Jesus, the family tree of Jesus. But B, there's all these generations that generation after generation waited for the Messiah to come, longed for the Messiah to come. And then and from the time of Malachi, the last prophet that spoke in the Old Testament before Matthew, there was 400 years of waiting for the Lord to speak before the Word became flesh and came and dwelt among us. You, you go back to Abraham uh, that's the first listed there in the genealogy of Jesus. How many years between Abram, uh, between Adam messing everything up and God calling Abraham did humanity wait and wonder and question, when is God going to do something? So, and so God calls Abram and he tells Abram and Sarah, y'all are going to have a child. And we think, yes, now we're cooking. God's really doing something now. And Abram and Sarah, I mean, when we read the account in our Bible, it's five minutes. They, they're told they're going to have a child, boom, they have a child. But it took, in reality, 25 years. God's people, she, she wasn't pregnant 25 years, but it was 25 years before she had some women are like, what? Uh, it was 25 years before they, they had that child. And it's tempting for us to think, that in the old days, God was just doing stuff all the time because we want a God that's just always doing stuff. But waiting has always been part of the deal. Um, we don't enjoy it, but it's part of the deal. And so, so Psalm 130, that's uh, where we're going to be today. Psalm 130 begins in verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Uh, at the depths, that's a picture of someone who's maybe out in the ocean or in a river or some. Some moving water, and it's just a little bit over their head. And they're just kind of bobbing to stay up over, over the water, and they're sinking, and they're kind of losing their breath. You, don't you know that terrible feeling of just drowning um, and barely clinging on to, and just struggling in the deep end of the pool or in the, or in the ocean or whatever? And the psalmist is saying, that's where I am with life. Man, I am just in the depths, I'm in the pit, I'm overwhelmed with life, and I'm struggling, and I'm in the pit, and from that place I cry out to you. The message translation by Eugene Peterson says, oh, oh Lord, help me, the bottom has fallen out of my life. Think, has the bottom ever fallen out of your life? Things are going along, and then the bottom falls out of everything. Psalm 130 verse 2 says, oh Lord, hear my voice, let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, would mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. That's important. I don't hope in my feelings, I don't hope in my thoughts, I don't hope in my opinions. I hope in His word. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. The key words here in the center of the psalm are watch and wait. Watch and wait. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, with him is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So we live in a microwave society, right? We want everything done fast. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of, of eating a, 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 a Randy Williams brisket. Uh, and Randy Williams cooks one of the best briskets 
uh, on the planet, okay? And as I ate this brisket and it's, the flavor just, you know, exploded in my mouth, it was clear that he, cooked, he took his time cooking this brisket. He was patient. He waited. He wasn't in a hurry. Have you ever cooked a brisket in a microwave, anybody? I'm sure it's possible to do that. But that brisket would be pretty tough. It would be pretty dry, and it wouldn't have a lot of flavor. The thing that, that waiting does, just like slow cooking a brisket, when you're waiting, God produces flavor in your life. And God produces tenderness in our lives. Um, when we're always in a microwave mode, we get tough. But waiting can lead us to be tender and flavorful. Waiting becomes worship as we remember that God works while we wait. Waiting becomes worship as we remember that God works while we wait. So we get through the genealogy of Jesus, and Jesus finally arrives on the scene. Mary's told, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. She carries him in her womb for nine months. And the Son of God is born as a baby, and he waits 30 years when, when God calls us to wait, he's not calling us to do anything that he himself won't do. Jesus himself waits in the womb and then waits 30 years before he begins his ministry. Amazing. God's doing something under the surface even when we don't see it. So, so, so why wait? Some of us, um, some of us uh, maybe if you're a parent, you might relate to this, to this owl in this video. You're having a conversation, your child comes in. Uh, and has the most important news ever to share, and it's something like this. Hey! 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 And so you keep having your conversation, and that happens a few more times. Uh, maybe mom and dad are trying to talk, or you're on the phone, and hey! 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 And what do you say, parents? What do you say? What do you say to your child? I'm hearing, a, I'm hearing a lot. Nothing's really distinct that I'm hearing, but, but probably you hear something along the lines of, Wait! It's not about you right now. Slow down. Hold on. The big people are talking. And why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because you're, because you're psychotic and you're mean and you're cruel? No, you do, maybe, but, but that's not why you do it. You do it because you're wanting to cultivate something in this child. You're wanting to cultivate character and patience and waiting and honor. And when I burst into the throne of grace, that by the grace of God I can, when I come before the throne of God, I'm like that owl. I'm like, hey, 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 I've got a problem and it needs to be fixed right now. And thank God that we can do that. Isn't that amazing that we can just bust into God's presence anytime and just, and just ask Him? And that's beautiful. But the thing is, He doesn't always just respond in the time that we would like. Because he, as the best parent who's ever could live, he's cultivating something in us that only comes through waiting. And so I ask you to recognize waiting in your life. Where is a situation? Is it a relationship? Is it direction? Is it, is it your vocation? Where is there an area of your life where God has you waiting? And you're, 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 you're wanting things to move, but you're in a season of waiting. And how, um, how can God... Uh, how can you see that um, and receive that as a gift? Something, a question that helps me, and I, I don't do this perfectly, far from perfectly, but something that helps me is to say, I wonder what God is doing right now. I wonder what God is up to. And I remind myself that God's up to something below the surface, whether I see it 
or not. I think about Jesus and Lazarus. Jesus gets the news that one of his best friends, Lazarus, is on his deathbed. And rather than dropping everything and going there immediately, Jesus hangs out where he's at a couple more days. Lazarus dies. Then Jesus gets there and people are like, man, if you'd have gotten here sooner, this wouldn't happen. But, but Jesus had something even bigger in store. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. When I think about waiting, I think about these different phases of waiting. And so there's kind of the Christmas expectation of waiting. Where we're like, oh man, I wonder what's in this box. Man, I'm so excited to hear about this promotion. Oh man, I wonder if my house... Uh, sell uh, went through or not uh, oh man I, I wonder if she's going to call me back you know uh, oh uh, I, I can't wait uh, I can't wait to, to, to get this news but then maybe the news doesn't come uh, maybe the relationship doesn't get better instantly and that expectation of waiting kind of turns into confusion what's going on how come how come I'm still in this bind? How come things aren't better yet? God, where are you? And then that confusion often turns into despair, hopelessness that says things are never going to be better. Things are always going to be like this. You're always going to be stuck. And that's um, the pit, I think, that the psalmist in Psalm 130 is crying out from, that pit of despair. God where are you? God, rescue me. Um, one of the, uh, what makes uh, depression so painful and so cruel is that depression robs us of a sense that there can be a hopeful future. Depression robs you of the sense that things can get better and that there's light on the other side. And that's, that's where we, we hold on to a psalm like this that says, I'm like a watcher on the wall, and I'm looking for the sunrise, and I'm watching for what God is going to do next. So how are you waiting now? What are you waiting for now? And can you recognize what that wait is? And can you begin to ask that question, God, what are you up to here? And maybe begin to receive that waiting as a gift. So again, we, we, we arrange our lives in such a way that we can uh, avoid waiting. We're going we're gonna to crush some candy if we're in line, whatever. Uh, this really came into clarity for, for me and my family as we, we were on vacation this summer, and we, we went to Disneyland for, for a couple days. And the and, uh, first day at Disneyland, I said, look, we have given Disneyland too much money already. Spent all the money I'm going to spend. Uh, and, and so this, this fast pass thing where you can get the fast pass and get put through the front of the line, so not doing it. You know, not going to happen, so we, you know, first day we're there, and we're waiting in line, you know, like normal people, and we keep seeing these fast pass, these people that got fast passes, and they're like just zooming to the front of the line, and we're like, what a bunch of jerks, you know, like how dare they just skip to the front of the line, uh, and, 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 and we're just like waiting and waiting and waiting, and, and, and it was frustrating, and so day two... I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a fast pass. And so, uh, and so it, we had a totally different perspective on it. We're just like, uh, you know, just kind of waltzing into the front of the line like we were some kind of VIP or something. And I think that the, the thing of it is, is we, we as people, like we want life to be one fun attraction after another. And we're trying to fast pass our way through everything hard. And, and the times of suffering the times of struggle, and that's part of life. 
The times when it, it seems like we're in the dark and, and we're surrounded and, 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 and we don't have the answers. Like if we just fast pass our way through all of that, we're going to miss out on the depth and the maturity that God and the flavor that God desires to cultivate in us. Love is patient, God's word says. And, and we need patience to wait. But patience is also cultivated as we wait. And so waiting is not passivity. Love's patient. Love's not passive, necessarily. Waiting is not passivity. It's not uh, laziness. It's not avoiding. I think a great picture of waiting is gardening. Uh, The seed is planted. I've done what I can do. Uh, I keep doing the things that I can do, but I know I can't make this seed um, an expectant mother. It's a great picture of waiting. I mean, she can take the prenatal vitamins, she can exercise, she can do all the right things, but at the end of the day, there's something mysterious going on. And she can't make this baby be healthy. And she can't make this baby be born at a certain time. It's, it's, uh, it's expectation, and it's, I'm doing my part, but I'm also actively seeking the part that only God can do. Eugene Peterson says, hoping does not mean doing nothing. It's not resignation. It means going about our assigned task, confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions. This weekend, my family and I saw Frozen 2. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but great movie, I think. Um, We saw Frozen 2, and and there's this this scene where one of the characters says, when you don't know what to do, anybody seen it? You know the end of that? When you don't know what to do, do the next right thing. And so we find Anna, one of the sisters, and she's had a, a loss, and she's sad, and she's down, and she's literally in a fetal position in a cold, dark cave, kind of like the psalmist in Psalm 130, in the depths. And she sings a song, and at the climax of the song, she says, I will walk through this night, stumbling blindly toward the light, and do the next right thing. And with the dawn, what comes then, when it's clear that Everything will never be the same again. Then I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. Sometimes all we have is just to stay faithful doing that last thing God told us to do. Or doing those really clear things in the scripture. Love God, love neighbor, seek him. We do that next right thing. We take that next faithful step at a time. And we do that until, uh, until God does something else. Um, this is really meaningful for me. I've shared before um, that, that I have seasons where I struggle with depression, and, and I've been in one of those seasons, probably one of the, one of the toughest ones of my life recently. Um, and I share that with you because I think everybody that struggles with depression, with anxiety, thinks that they're alone. Everybody I talk to that struggles with depression feels like they're alone. And that they're the only person struggling with it. What I want you to hear is you're not alone. This room is full of people who struggle with dark thoughts, who struggle with, uh, with, with, with feeling like, is, is, is anything good ever going to happen? And this isn't theory for me. There's, there's days and there's seasons when all I can do is just do that next right thing. All I can do is just take that faithful step and trust God with it. Um, and, and somehow, by the grace of God, that's enough. 
That can be enough for you. Um, so so uh, we need community with each other. Um, and we, we take that one step at a time. And we trust that God is working in our waiting. And so how do we return waiting to God in worship? I love that in Psalm 130 we have these different scenes. He begins in the, in the depths. And then he moves to the courthouse. Man, if God kept up with all my sins, who could stand? And at the end, he closes in the slave market that God redeems like, a, like, like buying back a slave. But there in the middle, he takes us to the wall of a city. And he says in, in chapter 130, Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. The central words in this psalm are watch and wait. And the thing about a watchman or a watchwoman is they stand guard on the wall and they watch for the the sun to rise. They watch for dawn. Do you know a watchman has absolutely no power to make the morning happen? They can strain and worry and anguish and push and they have no power to make morning happen. What they can do is they can watch for it and they can wait expectantly for it. And when we're in a dark season or we're in a season of confusion, when we're in a season of waiting, you may not have the power to make the outcome happen, but you can, by the grace of God, watch and actively wait for what God is going to do next. And that produces in us humility and trust and patience and hope, things that couldn't be produced in us otherwise. Um, so waiting becomes worship as we remember that God works while we wait. As the band comes up, I just ask you to think about how are you waiting right now? And have you, have you adopted a, a posture toward life where you've just kind of been trying to fast pass your way through the hard stuff? And if so, what might God have to say in the midst of the hard stuff? How does God want to remind you that he's working even when it's dark? You're not alone. So how can you be a watchman actively looking? Uh, Repent and relinquish that tendency to try to make morning happen and instead say, I'm going to watch and wait for what God is going to do next. And in the meantime, I'm going to do the next faithful thing.